Let's pray. Father, as we always have, we pray one more time. As we gather together today, we just pray that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to understand what you're saying to us through your word. We thank you for the opportunity to gather again, uh, again today just as a church. And we just ask now that you would teach us, help us to see Jesus in and through and in the midst of, of everything that's going on in our lives and in this church. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, as I've said over and over again today, to this is our last Sunday as a church. Our church, Redeemer, today, it comes to an end. And the question is, with the time that we have left as we gather this last time, what are we supposed to do about that? How are we supposed to respond to that? How are we supposed to, to feel about that? And I certainly want to give, uh, you know, uh, you the freedom. I'm not trying to tell you how you have to feel, but I do want to encourage you with some things that I believe are true. So some things that as I have, have prayed about this a lot and thought about it a lot, some things that, that God has really encouraged me with and I would encourage you to consider as well this morning. And so one more time, we turn to the Psalms. The Psalms, I believe, as I've said over and over again, are, are, are it's, it's a book of praises from every kind of, of condition and situation in the human experience. The word itself, Psalms, means praises, and it's called uh, sometimes just praises or, or the book of praises. And so everything inside the Psalms, we can assume, is, is about worshiping God, about praising Him, whether you are full of joy or full of darkness and depression or anywhere in between. But as I've searched the Psalms, and I have gone uh, front to back, all 150 many times in the last uh, few weeks, skimming through all 150 of them to find, you know, is there a particular psalm for a last Sunday of a church? And, uh, you know, as you might guess, if you know the psalms and if you know anything about the history of Israel and such, there is none like that because, of course, there was no such thing as a local church at that time, right? And yet, at the same time, I, I kept coming back to this particular psalm or, or one like it over and over again, a psalm that, that praises God for who He is, for what He has done, and, and celebrates God's rule. And, and that might sound weird. Uh, it certainly raises the question, why? Why would, why would we turn to a song of celebration when something we have been a part of for a long time, something we care deeply about is, is actually coming to an end? And that's a very valid question, and that's what I want to speak to today. And so I want to turn our attention towards this psalm, and I'm going to go kind of quickly through it to get a sense of what the psalm is like, and then we'll talk more about what it means for us and, and the psalm is, is kind of roughly divided into three sections, and the beginning of each of these sections has a, a phrase that is repeated three times. It says, sing, 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 then it says, ascribe, 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 and then it says, let, 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 uh, in the third section. The first section is, is sing to the Lord. He, see, he cries out with exclamation points, sing, 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 sing new song to the Lord, he says. Not an old song. Sometimes an old song isn't quite good enough because God is continually doing new things and we need a new song to celebrate what God is doing, a fresh new song about who God is and what He has done amongst His people. He says, sing to the Lord a new song, sing all the earth, not just God's people, but all people and all creation is how this psalm starts off. Sing to the Lord and bless His name, tell of His salvation 
from day to day, and this word day to day means sunset to sunset, continually is what he means here. Tell about all the ways God's has, God has, has saved and provided for and cared for His people. He says, declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. And this language is, is universal language because so much of the Old Testament is written for and to God's particular people, the nation of Israel in that time. But this psalm takes it way more broad than that. It says, says it's not just God's people who are supposed to sing for His salvation, but we are to, to declare what He has done amongst us to everyone, all the nations, all peoples, and invite them to join in that chorus, to sing, to sing for what God has done, to declare His glory and His marvelous works, because it says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. All the gods of all the peoples, he says, are, are worthless idols because God made the heavens. He alone is the creator God. All other deities and things that folks literally or figuratively bow down to, he says, are worth nothing. They're fake. They're non-entities, he says. And, and he's calling out for everyone to turn and worship and sing and praise the one true God, Yahweh, the Lord. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty surround Him in His sanctuary. So He starts off, sing, sing, sing. Then He says, ascribe, which means to, to give, to attribute to something, to, uh, almost like to write it down, to, to, to record that this is true is what He means. And He says this over and over again. He says, ascribe all families of the earth, all people, Tell everyone about Yahweh, the Lord's glory and His strength, it says. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Holiness means to be, to be other, to be different. He says, He is holy. There's none like Him, and everyone should respond to Him. Everyone should bow and tremble and worship and praise Him for who He is. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And he says he will judge the people with equity. Now, that may not be the best translation because sometimes that word means kind of judge as in judge and jury and bringing judgment, but in this case, it means rule. This particular word means rule. It's a, it's a word for a, a ruler to come and reign and rule. And so all of this is saying, God, we all want to worship you. We want to call everyone to worship you because you are the one true king of all creation. And we long for your rule and we worship you as the one true ruler of all the earth. And in response to all of this, he concludes he said, sing, 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 ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. Now he says, let three times, let all things rejoice. Let the heavens and the earth, the sea, everything in it, the fields and everything in the fields, even the trees of the forest, he says. Let them all rejoice, he says. Rejoice because Yahweh, the Lord, the one true creator God of the universe, is coming. And he comes to judge, to, to rule to be the king of his kingdom. And we want to be with him and we praise him for that. He says, sing a new song. Declare his glory. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength because the king is coming to judge and rule his kingdom. Now, we don't know very much about this song. We don't know who wrote it. 
We don't know exactly when, besides it's old, but they're all old. But this one's probably particularly old. But the one thing that places this psalm in a particular context is that it's actually quoted in 1 Chronicles 16 as the Ark of the Covenant is brought to the city of Jerusalem for the first time. And all of that's very symbolic. If you're Bible nerds, you understand what that means. If not, I'll explain it. The Ark of the Covenant was the place where God's presence itself dwelt. The presence of God was in and around the Ark of the Covenant. And so God's presence came to the city of Jerusalem for the first time. The city of Jerusalem was once right in the middle of a land that completely rejected Yahweh, completely rejected the God of the world, and yet God gave that land to His people, to His chosen people to be their chosen promised land. And so when the ark comes to Jerusalem for the first time, it's hugely symbolic. It's God's presence coming to what was formerly a place that rejected Him and has now become, and what will become, the heart of God's people from that point for a very long time. The heart of God's people where God's temple will be built, where His presence will dwell physically. God's people sang this song led by a guy named Asaph, and maybe Asaph wrote this psalm. Uh, he wrote a number of the psalms, and he was a kind of a worship leader, a choir director, and it says that he led this giant choir singing Psalm 96 while the ark was brought into Jerusalem the first time as God's presence entered a new land to establish His rule and His kingdom. And all of that, as you can guess, I always say this at some point when I'm talking about a psalm, all of that points to Jesus in the ultimate way, because Jesus is the true presence of God, more so than the Ark of the Covenant ever was. And Jesus is the true King of the kingdom of God, more so than David or any other. And wherever Jesus is with His people becomes God's promised land, not just a particular place or a particular piece of land in the Middle East that people are still fighting over. Jesus came to earth announcing the arrival of God's kingdom. If you remember when we studied for a long time the, the, the gospel of Mark, one of the, it's really the first eyewitness story about Jesus. And the first words that Jesus says is, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news. That's what he said, and he repeats that message over and over and over again through his ministry. Jesus came announcing the kingdom of God but most people didn't respond like Psalm 96. They didn't rejoice about it because they failed to recognize Him. And why? Because they were looking for a different kind of ruler. They were looking for a, a nationalistic ruler who would come to make Israel great again. That's what they were looking for. And Jesus wasn't about that. Jesus came announcing a, a different kind of kingdom, more of a spiritual kingdom than a national kingdom. He came in a, in a humble way, uh, not, not in a, in a, a, a kind of a, a flashy way with authority to, to take over. They were looking for someone to deliver them from the power of Rome and, and make the nation independent and, and great as it was in the time of King David. And Jesus didn't seem concerned with that at all. And so He was rejected. He was abandoned. He was betrayed. And eventually, He was executed by the very people who He Himself created. 
But death was not the final word for Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. He showed himself to be everything he claimed. He showed everything that had been written about him to be true. And through Jesus, God's kingdom continued to move forward and expand, not through one city like Jerusalem, but everywhere. Not through one nation like Israel, but through all kinds of people. Everyone who would simply believe in Jesus and what He has done for them. Not through nationalistic causes, but through transformed lives. Through folks who believe in Jesus and trust in who He is and what He has done for them and are changed to be more and more like Him. And so Jesus is the inaugurated King of the kingdom of God, the the already not yet king of the kingdom of God. He's already been crowned, but his kingdom has not yet been made fully realized. One day it will be, but now it's it's still a bit more under the radar, kind of like Jesus was. And, And God's kingdom now moves forward through the church. We join with all of God's people in singing Psalm 96 in this way, as we announce to all people that salvation is from God ultimately through Jesus. As we tell about all the marvelous things that He has done for us, as we talk about God's reign and rule over over all creation, and as we do this, God's kingdom expands. God's kingdom moves forward through changed lives. People are changed by Jesus, and they come together into into local churches. And each local church is an outpost of the universal church, which is made up of of the people of God's kingdom. It's like like a little Jerusalem in a strange land, a little Jerusalem of God's people surrounded by those that don't believe in them, trying to grow closer with Him and tell everyone around them more of of who He is and and what He has done for them. And and in the 2,000 years that there have been local churches, local churches come and go. They rise up, some big, some smaller, but they rise up and they have a time, and then they kind of fade away. It's very rare to see a, a, a healthy, thriving church in a particular area last more than a generation at most, if that, right? Churches come, churches go, local churches, but God's people, the universal church, the church capital C, the the, the people of God's kingdom made up of, of everyone who belongs to God, that kingdom continues, that kingdom grows, that kingdom thrives until the great day when the king returns. And we are finally with Him, and everything is made new. Everything that's broken in the world is fixed, and we dwell with Him as His people forever here in a renewed, transformed earth. And I think you're starting to get the picture of how Psalm 96 relates to us. Redeemer Church, Redeemer Church has been an outpost of the kingdom of God. It has been and has served as as one of these local churches, a a, a local little Jerusalem in the midst of a city that by and large rejects our Savior Jesus Christ. And our church was formed for one reason, and we could use the words of Psalm 96 to, to speak to that reason, to declare His glory among the nations, to tell of His marvelous works among all the peoples, particularly all the people of Portland. That's why we started. All of this began 
in early 2011. It began in, in people's homes, in community groups, in the very first groups that actually in some ways even began before that, before we, we formally started working on the church. People were simply gathering together as well, and they joined this movement. And these groups multiplied. And then in May of 2011, we started meeting monthly. And then in August of 2011, almost exactly seven years ago, right now, we got the castle. And in October of 2011, we began meeting here on Sundays. And in January of 2012, we launched as Mars Hill Church Portland, as one of what would be 15 churches across five different states thousands and thousands of people gathering together in this, this giant church. It, it grew quickly. We were quickly six and then 700 people on Sundays. Uh, on Easter, we saw well over 1,000 people for more than one year. It was, a, it, it was a crazy thing to be a part of. But Mars Hill kind of ran into a brick wall uh, of conflict and controversy. We grew too much, spread out too far, too quickly. And Mars Hill Church ended in 2014, and we kind of turned on a dime with seven weeks' notice, and we became Redeemer Church. We were a smaller church, a few hundred people at that point. We were more local. But through all of this, Mars Hill Church Portland and Redeemer, God did all kinds of things. People met Jesus. Many were baptized. I don't have a total number. I'm not sure. We haven't kept all the records perfectly, but quite a few. I would guess somewhere in the ballpark of 100 people over the course of, of the, our life as Mars Hill Church and Redeemer. Babies were born. I definitely don't have a count of that, but, but possibly well over the baptism number. We have been fruitful and multiplied ourselves. Uh, couples have come together and been married. All kinds of things have happened in and around and through our church, right? But we also struggled as Redeemer. We never quite got our, our feet under us especially uh, leadership-wise. A lot of that hit the fan earlier this year in a total mess, and that could have easily been the end of our church, right? That could have been the final word in this story of this local church, but it wasn't. It wasn't. God held us together, and He led us through all kinds of difficult times since then, and He led us ultimately, and I believe clearly, to where we stand or sit here today as we are joining with Door of Hope as the next chapter of our church family. If, if the goal of all of this was to perpetuate and, and, and continue simply an, an organization or an institution, then today is a failure, right? Today is a funeral. Today is when we finally admit defeat and close up shop, right? But if the goal was, as I said earlier, to declare the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ through what He has done for us, to, to spread the good news of Jesus, then we haven't failed because we have done that, and we haven't failed, and this is not the end, because we are simply going to continue to do that, right? Whether it's Mars Hill, Portland, whether it's Redeemer Church, or whether now it's, it's Door of Hope, the names change, all kinds of smaller things change, things about our, our culture changes, tradition, language, style, music. These things have changed over the life of our church. They're going to change now as we continue as Door of Hope. 
People and relationships will change, will evolve. People come and go as always in a local church. But despite all of that, despite all those changes, and some of them will feel like a loss. Some of them will just feel like normal change. Some of them will feel differently, and it's going to depend on who you are, how you feel that. But regardless of all of it, God's kingdom continues because God's kingdom, His kingdom people, all the people that belong to Him are bigger than any one particular local church. God's kingdom is all God's people declaring His glory, sharing about what He has done for them and His marvelous works among everyone with whom we have opportunity to, particularly around the, the great city of Portland and the extended greater Portland area today. Redeemer ends today. And there's a loss to that, but God's people continue. God's people continue growing closer with Him, making Him known to those around us. And that's why we can sing Psalm 96 today. That's why this is not a funeral. That's why this is a, a celebration of all God has done uh, uh, in and, and through around our church. And that's why we can stand here today in, in confidence because we've seen all these things that He has done for us in the past, and we can be confident about what He will continue to do in and through and around us in the future, wherever we land, right? And I want to take a moment uh, in, in this, this final gathering just to, to thank all of you who have led different things over the course of our church and, and served in different ways. I'm not going to get super specific, but I want to call out a few things. And, and, and when I call you, I want you to, to stand if you have, have led or served in this way. And I want us to just clap and give an opportunity to thank you. If you have ever served in the life of our church as an elder or a board member, stand so we can thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for leading faithfully in the midst of a lot of drama. If you have ever been a part of redemption group leadership, please stand. If you've ever been a part of that, it'll be a smaller number, but thank you. Thank you for, for walking with people and some of the most difficult things that they've had to wrestle with. If you've ever had any part in leading a community group, please stand. Thank you guys for caring for for the people of our church week in and week out for so many years. If you have ever led a service team on Sunday, if you ever led any service team, stand up, stand up. Thank you for helping with that. Thank you for helping to make it possible. And lastly, and this will be a big one, if you have ever served or volunteered in any way in the life of our church, please stand. Thank you. And. And that kind of makes the point, doesn't it? That's kind of why this thing has worked. That's why this thing has held together. That's, that's why uh, we have been able to, to, to continue as a church despite so many different things that we have been through because there has been, and, and, and if everyone who had ever been a part of the church was actually here today, that it would still be almost everybody who would be standing, right? Because you have cared so deeply for this church and served in so many ways, and, and loved one another in so many ways. This last week, uh, I was planning to just 
uh, it seemed like my week was going to be a little bit more open, and I was hoping to have a lot of extra kind of time to just kind of sit and be reflective about this last service. I've been thinking about it a lot for quite a while, and it went a little different direction. And part of that direction was that I had the privilege of coming and sitting with our brother who I mentioned earlier, Steve Carell, and the Carell family, and really, in a sense, singing him into eternal life. He took a turn for the worse on Wednesday. Jeannie called and said he wasn't expected to live through the day, asked me to come with my guitar and pray and sing with them. And this is something that I have had the privilege of doing two times in my life. The first time, some of you will remember, it was with Jennifer Nigro, and it was just weeks before Mars Hill Church ended and we became Redeemer. And it was profound then. And the second time was Wednesday, days before Redeemer would end. And I don't know what God means by His timing. <laughs> his timing is strange in so many ways, right? But it's a, it's a profound experience to sing with someone in their final hours of life. Uh, I think that faith and trust is seldom more real in this life than at that point. Because at that point, what's left? <laughs> if your hope is in any other particular outcome of this life, it's, it's coming to an end, right? But if your hope is in a deeper reality than what we see or feel, if your hope is in a deeper reality even than life itself, then you still have hope. Then faith still endures at that point. And that's what it was like to sing with Steve and with Jeannie. Either you believe and you trust or you don't at that point, right? And, and in the same way as, as we trust, as I trust, that, that Steve Carell is with our Savior Jesus, I want to invite you to trust that God has led us to this point as a church, that He can and that He will do more in and through and around us as door of hope than He cares to do with us on our own. I believe that. I believe that in the same way as, as I believe that, that, that God wanted us to do something on our own as Redeemer that was different than what would have continued if it just continued as, as Mars Hill Church Portland. Because for me, the only alternative is a God who's just kind of frustrated and can't do anything about it, right? It's a guy, the alternative, either, either it's, it's part of God working, even through messy situations, or it's God going, man, I had great plans until those guys screwed it up. It's all, I can't do anything, right? Well, that's not the God I believe in. It's not the God I believe in the Scriptures. It's not the God I want you to believe in. I believe that He is working, that He has led us to this point. I want to invite you to believe that too. I will miss Redeemer. I will especially miss those of you who have chosen to, to move on to other churches. It's natural. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. These things happen over and over and over again in the life of a church. But I'll miss seeing you. I know we will miss seeing each other in this same way. But more deeply than that, more deeply than all the loss, I want you to have joy for all that God has done through Redeemer.
I want you to continue to walk closely with Jesus. I want you to continue to declare His glory to those around you. And in a somewhat similar way to what I experienced with Steve earlier this week, we're going to sing Redeemer out now. To, to praise God for all that He's done, confident and looking forward to what He's going to do in the future. And I want to just call you now to do what Psalm 96 says, to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day and declare His glory among the nations. Let's pray. Father, we praise You today. Just as I've been saying, we praise You for all that You have done in and through and around Redeemer Church. We praise You for how You worked in and through and around Mars Hill Church. We thank You for how You worked in and around us. And we praise You for how You're going to continue to do that. And my prayer for everyone that is here today, Father, is just that You would help us to continue to walk closely with You wherever You lead us, whether we continue as, as door of hope, whether we find another church, whether, whether folks who are here have, have already found another church and closer to where they live and they're just coming back to visit and help us celebrate today, whatever it is, Father, my prayer is that we would walk closely with You and that we would be quick to share who You are and what You have done with all those around us that You give us opportunity. That we would declare your marvelous work, that we would tell of, of your salvation, that, that as we continue, more people would know of who you are and what you have done among us, and that we would be able to tell this story about how you sustained us through all kinds of craziness and how two churches came together to truly see something happen that neither of them could see on their own. We just praise you. You are a God that does amazing things, things that we don't see coming, things we never could have anticipated. So we trust you. We look forward to what you have in store for us. And we just pray that through all of that, more people in this city would know who you are and come to worship you and praise you the way we are here this morning. Ultimately because of Jesus, in whose name we pray all of these things. Amen.